0: Hello and welcome to Conversations Unlocked, the Unicredit podcast and your gateway to industry insights. I am your host, Twyla Doon, and together we will hear from leading experts as they discuss the challenges Europe is facing and their thoughts on how institutions such as Unicredit can help navigate these issues to be the bank for Europe's future. Handing us the keys this week are Pedro Mineo and Rebecca Tusa. Pedro Maneo is CEO and founder of Epino, a global innovation consultancy that connects more than 150,000 experts, investors, executives and technology specialists in over 20 countries. Joining Pedro this week is Rebecca Tusa, Chief of Staff to Andrea Orchel, Unicredit CEO. She is responsible for executing on the CEO priorities which are numerous and include a cultural transformation of the bank. We welcome both guests to our episode today on Transformation. Our relationship with banks and businesses is changing. People are demanding more from their companies. 70% of respondents in a recent Gen Z survey ranked purpose as more important than pay when it comes to finding the right job. How do we make sure our companies align these priorities? And more broadly, I suppose, can we all think about leveraging the disruption around us and turning this into some sort of opportunity? So, Pedro, if I can begin with you, you founded Apino just as Lehman collapsed, you opened in Barcelona right as Catalonia declared independence and you set up your UK office during Brexit and you opened in Milan during COVID. How did you keep expanding and growing
1: despite this backdrop? Well, uh, first of all, thank you for having me. The name Open Innovation, Opino, uh, reflects a new paradigm of how we work. We discovered that consulting as an industry was very old and it hadn't been disrupted or transformed. So through different initiatives, we started gathering experts from around the world, uh, right now the number is over twenty thousand uh, people that connect and work collaboratively in different uh, challenges so our consulting engagements no longer take into account the people we have on in-house in the company but more a network of people and I think this reflects very well the kind of environment we're going to uh, the world is more volatile than ever uh, skills are you know changing and uh, from from one day to the other, faster and faster. So we need to try and change our organisational structures so that we're, we're able to cope with change.
0: question that I had for you, Rebecca, you're no stranger to disruption either. And looking back on the last 18 months at Unicredit, you've had to deal with owning a Russian bank during the Ukraine crisis, the impact of the energy crisis on your footprint, including Germany, and now the economic uncertainty that faces much of Europe. So what principles do you apply when facing this kind
2: of disruption? Thank you, Tyler. Yes, it is absolutely true that over the last 18 months, we've seen our share of uncertainty, volatility and, and events. How do you manage this kind of environment where the only certainty is that there's going to be continuous change and challenges? So, one principle that we operate by is preemptive action is cheaper than reaction. And this holds true in, in so many ways. If I think about our cost base, for example, We are inevitably going to be hit by inflation across our footprint in the next couple of years. It is a lot better and cheaper to take difficult decisions now, assessing which costs ought not to be part of our run rate as we enter 2023, so that inflation affects a lower cost base and impacts you less. This is why taking early decisive action is almost always the right thing to do, even though it's hard and it it takes a strong management team to execute.
0: Yeah, so it's about the preparation that goes into this and the fundamental pillars of your strategy that you use and you adapt, I suppose, to to fit the circumstances. I saw something in a a recent presentation you gave, Pedro, that says crisis gives us the opportunity to rewrite the rules. And actually, a question off the back of of that answer, thank you, Rebecca, is, as you say, your role at Apino is to transform organisations through innovation. What does this mean in practice, Pedro?
1: This means that the world we are living in uh, uh, changes faster than ever, and the te- technologies and platforms we're using are also, you know, changing from one day to, to another. So, you know, for an organization that's small, a startup, for example, it's really easy to adapt. Uh, but for large organizations, uh, instead of you know size being an asset, it becomes a liability. And how do you make sure that you are able to make a large organization? behave some ways like a startup does is a real challenge. We define the approach to you know behaving like a startup in three different areas. Uh, the first of all is to be open to the ecosystem. It can be an internal ecosystem, so your employees are no longer working for you, they're collaborating with you, and they form an ecosystem which has different rules than a hierarchical system of an old corporation. Uh, outside ecosystems are also very interesting. You're going to get the best ideas, the best talent, uh, outside your organization and the idea is to learn to take part in these ecosystems and learn from them extract insights from them uh, the second type of work or the line of work that we usually do is to transform the processes the culture of the company so that they allow these kind of new mentalities and new work uh, processes to to take place there are many different ways in which an, a large uh, corporation can change and learn to adapt and the third is, Uh, We call it venture building, which is how to make your company entrepreneurial, how to use your company as a mothership for new ventures.
0: I suppose it's about providing the individual members of certain teams, the agency, to act as though they were their own mini startup, even though they're part of a far broader organization. Apino works in at least seven different cities and across all of the Americas and Central Europe. So how does your work change depending on the location you're operating in?
1: Well, I think after all these time, these years, we've sort of identified three different degrees of maturity uh, or development of the innovation practice in, in markets and in sectors, but also inside companies. And so the, the the first type of companies or, or markets are usually places where people are doing scouting, they're doing ecosystem building, they're building relationships, and they're extracting knowledge uh, from what's around them. And, so, and this is actually useful to build a vision of what they want to do and learn best practices and get in touch with talent and learn the new rules of uh, of this new economy. The second type of companies or markets are companies that are already uh, knowledgeable and experienced in in these new skills and these new environments. And they're more worried about changing their architecture, changing their culture, changing their processes and their, architect, their technology architecture to be able to adapt to a much faster evolving world. And I, I think the third family of companies is those that are already you know, familiar with these new um working methodologies, and they're focused on building new products or new services. So the more mature companies are all about business, are all about building new things, uh, because they take everything else for granted. That's really interesting
0: that actually you, therefore group organizations, so rather than looking at those different regions um, through the lens of the geographical location that they're in, you can map them as different levels of growth within their organization. And I suppose actually that links to a point in Unicredit because obviously Unicredit covers a large territory of 13 different banks. Can you really create a
2: culture across 13 countries? Rebecca? Look, we have a unique footprint. At Unicredit, we are like a mini European project, and that comes with all the communication challenges that you, you, you would expect. But it also means that we are truly diverse. Um, you know, we, we have 15 million clients across our communities, and, and they're all different. So our strength is our diversity, and we reflect our clients and can naturally represent their interests and issues and create a, a more strong and complete offering. As a result, when we did the culture diagnostic just after we joined, we asked the people across the bank, across our regions, what they felt that we stood for. And they came up with our ownership, integrity and caring, our our values. As broad and diverse as our 80,000 people might be, they did come up with more or less the same values. And so the challenge for us now is to try and scale that shared belief, um, because when you can leverage that common set of values and you have something that people can really buy into and unite behind, then you can propel to deliver something pretty extraordinary that's really interesting to know that the values of unicredit were
0: chosen by the employees themselves and i actually was listening to somebody the other day talk about culture and that they said it will exist without you and so therefore you must try and nurture it in the best way possible pedro Is that something that you feel that you've come across in all of the various different locations that you have worked within, that culture exists within various different organizations, whether people choose to uh, nurture it or not?
1: I mean, the the subject of culture is something that I'm really passionate about. Uh, It's played a huge role in my life as an entrepreneur. The world around us is more volatile. There are things that worry our clients and their families. There are things that um, make them excited. Uh, that are things they connect with and things they don't. Uh, And it's really important to measure their pulse, to understand really what's driving your people every day to commit to work on your mission or on a joint mission. Signs of bad culture, uh, destructive culture, or things that destroy the culture should be tackled immediately because a culture is very fragile. It takes a long time to build and it's very easy to break down.
0: I know actually a big part of Unicredit and Locked um, is which is the Unicredit strategy, is delivering the bank's cultural transformation, which I know is well underway. Rebecca, can you tell us about the scale of this challenge and where did you start from and
2: where you're h- hoping to go to? Yeah, of, of course. And I agree with everything Pedro is saying about the importance of culture and it is absolutely on Andrea's agenda. is it's the most important part of our transformation. Andrea doesn't do things by halves and we have quite grandiose ambitions that stem from what the people that we have visited in the branches tell us they want to sign up to and be galvanized by and we want to ultimately be the bank for Europe's future. And, and this cannot or will not happen unless we succeed in our culture transformation, which is the most difficult part of our strategy to execute on. And for us, it's it's three parts. It's about owning the work that we do and, and, and how we deliver for a client, taking accountability for decisions, following them through. And then it's about integrity and behaving in the right way even when no one is watching. And finally, we do firmly believe that it requires acting with kindness and caring about those that you work for and with. I think that last point as well is,
0: is so simple but so often forgotten. And Pedro, I, I'd be interested to see whether... That's something that you have to remind people of in the organizations that you work with that, that kindness is really key when it comes to organizational
1: structure Well I think the main uh, the th- main point is to understand that we're no longer a place where people work for other people uh, that now it's uh, it's all about communities and when you belong to a community there's a bilateral exchange of value uh, I work for you you work for me I contri- contribute to your mission you contribute to mine. And this is why words like reputation or respect become really important. How do you define the the incentives uh, to drive the the attention of the best talent in the world and make it want to collaborate with you? This to me is the key to the question. And actually, if you think about the bigger problem, if you think ambitiously, I want to build a culture so that people outside my organization fall in love with us, then you will solve the small problem then you will solve the you know the interaction or the cultural strategy towards your immediate collaborators. Rebecca can you bring to
0: life some tangible things that you've done in order to move this dial on
2: culture? Uh, one that comes to mind is is around speak up which is a critical initiative which encapsulates a lot of the ownership and integrity points that that we touched on. So we've, we've run a number of campaigns around the importance of being able to speak up, to escalate, to put your hand up and say you've done something wrong without fear of retribution or punishment. And um, you work out what should have happened differently and then you alter the process to ensure it doesn't happen again. And it seems obvious, but you know we, we had a real endemic issue where people would just feel that they had to hide things that had gone wrong. And that takes a lot of time. You have to build up trust, uh, which can't happen overnight. We're talking years. Um, but it's critical.
0: Yeah. And and trust is is so critical to businesses. So another point that we wanted to discuss is really that culture is everyone's responsibility. And both of you have touched on that, whether it be within the small startup or within a far larger organization such as Unicredit. So how can leaders and team members across the business all play their part? Can
2: I ask you, Rebecca, first? It has to be top-down and bottom-up, the same way that we were talking about our values not being imposed. A culture transformation is only going to work if people really believe in it, and you see kind of grassroots um, actions where people aren't deferring to a communications department to (laughs) to be, you know, portraying the message, but they are living the values and and behaving in
1: the right way. Exactly, and I think that uh, it's something that it should be everybody's responsibility, and everybody should play a, a part in that. Uh, I've seen that you know through my life that uh, good leaders come with uh, with a plan and 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 they usually respect it because they have knowledge. and And great leaders uh, usually lead by asking questions. Uh, so a CEO that asks, asks a lot of questions and employees that ask lots of questions is a good sign. And the best way actually to to build an internal culture is to ask your workmates, you know, who would be the ideal partner or the ideal person you would like to work with? And by describing this person, they're describing their ideal for, you know, the culture, the values that and the attitudes that would make this organization and this team work.
0: That actually brings me on to the part of the podcast where we ask a unicredit member of staff to ask our experts questions. Hello, my name is Jovan Azelic. I am from People and Culture Learning and Development team from Serbia. My question is, as a leader, what are the main challenges for you in transforming the workplace culture? Thank you.
1: I think the the main difficulty is to stay up to date with what's going on, uh, internally and externally. Things are changing too fast. So you need to be exposed, you need to be out there, you need to be permeable to the changes that are happening and to be able to act upon them. Crisis are the best times uh, in a company's life to make the best decisions and the worst decisions. Uh, and uh, they're very brief uh, uh, intervals of opportunity. So you better have a plan for the next crisis when it comes. And for the, in order to do that, you need to be open to listening. Yeah.
0: Listening and asking questions. Thank you, and Rebecca.
2: From what I'm, I'm seeing, it's the time that it takes to build trust. Um, a culture transformation <laughs> takes takes a very, very long time, and you you have to earn it. You have to earn your people's trust. Yeah, I
0: think that, I think that's a really honest answer, and something that is is so difficult because. Obviously, trust takes time in in all relationships, in personal relationships as well as professional ones, and it's having that time in order to be able to build it that really then makes a difference in the future, but of course, you need the time in order to do that, so... Um thank you so much for that. Last series we asked all of our guests for their best pieces of advice and their key to unlocking success and you have given us so many both of you um pieces of advice but Pedro if you could give us one sentence you would leave us all with for your key to unlocking success what would it be?
1: Well as an entrepreneur there's a sentence that I have on the top of the on uh, of my table of my desk every day uh, that I saw once at MIT It says uh, you have to manage to be disruptive, persistent, and patient at the same time. And those three skills in the same person are really, really hard to have. So it's easier to have them in a team. But if you you build a leadership team, make sure that you combine, you know, the disruptive vision with somebody who's persistent, you know, who can try and try and try and over and over again, and somebody who's patient and was able to, Uh, make sense of it all because otherwise you know we would all go crazy.
0: Yeah it sounds quite a character to have all of those skills in one person. And Rebecca?
2: So I think that leads in uh, quite nicely to to teamwork and someone once said to me that Unicredit is like an enormous boat it's incredibly hard to steer but once we decide the direction we want to go in and we all start paddling the same way we should be unstoppable but you cannot turn a large boat on your own and, and you have to do it together. So thank you so much, both
0: of you, for being on this week's episode. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to talking to you both again soon.